On the last episode of Dice Funk, the airship Zavala loses all structural integrity and becomes a meteor shower of flaming metal. I know we made a horrible entrance, but you need to be suspicious of newcomers. She just starts laughing. That's a hag, isn't it? Welch! Once, once uh, Violet realizes this, I want to do a strength check God. on who is obviously Welch. I say, give me back my ghost mom! There is an explosion of change. Made a deal. Took a trip to your guys' best friend Zavala, and she traded part of her body for her heart's deepest desire and something from his plane to replace what was lost. If he throws me at her, I will touch her then. This is very brave. And very scary. If this works, you end it, and you guys win. If you lose, they all three of them shoot you, and Lavinia dies. I rolled a 23. I trust you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Sucks to suck! Damn straight, Vinny. <laughs> the iron gates begin to close, and the sisters throw themselves to the ground to try to gain purchase as they are sucked back into the afterlife. I love Mother, and I want to help her, and you want to help, and I love you, and I want to help you, and this helps everybody. Okay, Hunter. I'm very proud of you. You're a very brave little fish. You, you don't have to come with us if you don't want mother. If I stay behind and explain, there might still be some place for you to come home to. If I make it out, I'll make sure that all the Kuatella know what you did for them and mother. Violet, you have Alona's Bane. Alright, Violet sort of, like, hesitantly to, uh... Like, unite him! Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. In fact, that sounds actually better. Let's, let's say that. You are on the roof of the Palace of Autumn, but you are not in the same dimension. Billy, come at me, bro! Drop Goodwood. Violet Skittles Unicorn. Elias Valamin. Lavinia Bird. Friends. Suck my butt, Billy. Oh, <laughs> I think this is gonna be fun. All right, everything looks fine on my end. Everybody check your end. <laughs> I can't stop checking my end. It's jokes. <laughs> <laughs> There's never jokes in this podcast. Never. I can't remember a single one. I mean, I'm here. <laughs> Self-burn. <Yeah. laughs> Guys, maybe we should stick to what we do best. Macrame. <laughs> That's the most Johnny thing you've ever said. I only kind of know what it means. Um. <laughs> Look, I just think the listeners would be surprised to hear that the D&D podcast is actually just the edited out parts of um, our three-hour macrame session that we have four times a week. Sure. I can't even spell macrame. Really? It looks like macrame. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it like weird crocheting? It's, it is weird crocheting, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so usually we record one of these a week and release one a week, but because of scheduling conflicts, these last two are kind of back-to-back, -back, so we're a little fresh. Um, yeah, my D&D high levels are really, really high right now. My doctor is worried. Mm. Uh, so I think it's probably worth pointing out that Alona's Bane, the weapon that Violet got last episode, is a plus five spear or staff. It can be used as either. Okay, I'm going to pretend I know what that means. Mm-hmm. You were the one that was holding it when you when you killed Hunter, so... No, I have it. I just, you know... Oh, my God. <laughs> I have it. I just don't know what all the stats mean, but it's not important. You just add five. It's not... Anyway. To two different roles. Oh, well, <laughs> then, you know, now it's complicated. 
The other important things that people might, might want to keep in mind are Elias, Drop, and Violet were electrocuted pretty badly. Lavinia wasn't, but she did spend a lot of her spell slots, so you guys aren't exactly Pokemon Center fresh. Yeah, mm. nine, uh, 19 HP. As the audience has just heard for the last seven or so minutes what happened last time and what is happening now, you all have found yourself wherever it is that Zavala resides. It's not necessarily a plane. It seems to just be more of a filter. It's more an attitude, man. It's the upside down. <laughs> you gotta you gotta feel it. It would take paragraphs of philosophy text to explain it to any satisfaction. So right now, all you really need to know is it looks as though you're standing on a photo negative of the Feywild on the roof of the Autumn Palace, and it's just the 11 characters who made it out of the last part. Um, the player characters, and most of their friends. And Violet has just shouted a challenge to the sky, which was answered by the voice of Zavala. Yeah, I mean, it just it just said our, our names. Um, I told it to suck my butt. <laughs> that is what happened. I mean, once Violet is done, you know, saying her thing, she just stands there until acted upon. <laughs> Violet just crosses her arms like, got him. Yeah, basically. I do want to um, see if Violet can like, kind of look around and Check to see what's there. So I want to roll for perception. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of wondering if it's like last time where Zavala is just like in my head or always right behind me or what. So I'm going to try to do that now. Violet, you look around, you sniff around, uh, use all of your senses to try to detect the source of the voice that is taunting you. And you not only don't sense anything, you sense a distinct absence of things. Great. <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, not great. It's actually kind of scary. Oh, okay. So that's either very telling or a really bad roll. See, my concern is that if I can't detect where Zavala is, like if I can't, you know, just sort of feel around for like where he, she, it uh, actually is, then I can't like stab it to death. Drop is going to kind of like reach behind his head (laughs) and just like feel if there's anything there. No, there's nothing there. Okay, then he's going to turn around quickly and look. <laughs> I re- there's like 11 people on this roof trying to do cool ninja moves to try to catch the source of this voice. <laughs> and none of you come up with anything. After after like three tries, he's satisfied that it's like, okay, he's not actually behind me. Well, uh, about 10 minutes in and I'm all officially out of ideas, so... Elias will say, I take it you weren't expecting visitors, were you? Zavala says... I try not to expect anything. I just kind of live for the moment. I observe. I go where I'm needed. I don't need much. Oh, oh, okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Then he says that very sarcastically, if it didn't sound sarcastic enough. It's very strange for someone without needs to make many requests of others. I said I don't have many needs. I have the one. I need sacrifices. That's all that I am and all that I could be. Ah, that is true. That sounds really boring. <laughs> Actually, I, I have a, I'm sorry. I have a question. Um, can I hear Zavala talking to Elias? And can everyone hear? No, you guys are all in the group chat. Okay, so this is all like okay. If you'll recall, Lavinia kind of skyped into Joan's memories with detect thoughts, and they were when the Blackhearts made the deal. They were all in it together. So you guys are all in it together. Mm-hmm. All right. I just wanted to make sure. That sounds really boring. Was the last thing you said to him? He says. I don't experience the world in the same way that all of you do. You guys get bored, hungry, sad, angry. I just I just exist for one reason and one reason only, 
and that is to facilitate an embody sacrifice. But why? What do you mean, why? Why is water wet? Why do birds fly? Why is fire hot? Feathers. Fire is hot because it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Zavala? Yeah? So you like sacrifices, right? <laughs> I think I know where this is going. I'm listening. Okay, well, I feel like if all you want to do is make sacrifices, <laughs> then the best sacrifice would be you sacrificing yourself. <laughs> how, how, how does that grab you? Oh, Violet. Yeah. You think no one's tried that before? I don't think a lot of things. <laughs> Violet Skittles Unicorn. We've had this conversation before. I'm not a genie that you can trick with a clever wish. Unfortunately for you, I'll, all I do is look into your heart and see your deepest desires, and then I give them to you at the fair price. But, but that's that's not all you do. Yeah. No, I mean, you, you add things afterwards, right? Oh, yeah, most people who come to me come to me on death's door, uh, which is not a coincidence. I seek those people out. I'm attracted to people when they're at their lowest, when they're in the shadow of death, because that's when they're most open to sacrifice. Well, that's manipulative. I get that. I mean, it's a seller's market. <laughs> and usually these people need something, and I give it to them. It's also just a nice way of marking them. It's part of the exchange, which prevents them from telling people about me, because then people would try to game the system. They would, you know, slit their own throats or something so that I would show up, and that would just, it would just be anarchy. We just have to have a little decorum. Hmm. But... but what about the holes in reality? It's just the path of least resistance. It's kind of hard for you three-dimensional beings to understand, but all the way all these planes are aligned, sometimes it's just quicker to just poke in, and it doesn't hurt that connecting things that aren't supposed to be connected creates a little chaos, makes people a little bit more desperate, brings people a little bit lower, and then they're more susceptible to sacrifice. It's really just kind of a self-perpetuating machine. It's, it's efficiency. Supply and demand. Yeah. Do you have a problem with free markets, Drop Goodwood? Your free market's kind of drowning. I just realized that Austin's supervillain is capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most Austin thing that's ever been done. Yeah. It's it's drowning, but I'll be gone soon, Drop. Then it's not my problem anymore. I only have a little time here. I'm just making the best of it. Isn't that what everyone tries to do? Just take your time and just, you know, be the best you you can be and then just shuffle off? Why can't you just put it back before you go? Because then you won't even know. Because you'll be gone. I can't break all the deals I made. If I put it back, it would undo everything. That's not fair. Okay. Um. So Violet just starts like running around and stabbing at shadows, hoping to stab some form of Zavala. Uh-oh. I think your unicorn friend's lost it. hey -ah. That's just Violet. Ugh. Out of curiosity, mm -hmm. why didn't you ever approach me at any point, Zavala? Oh, I mean, there are two elements to the perfect sacrifice. Hmm. The first is the desperation, the mm -hmm. people being at their lowest, being very receptive, being very selfish. That's what draws me to most people. You're just kind of a chipper guy, honestly. I mean, you've been in a couple of bad scrapes, but you've, you've never seemed like the type who would accept it. You, you're very clever. You're very optimistic. You're very... Mm, you're just too dang good. <laughs> Leas is a good boy. But Drop. Drop Goodwood. Now that's the kind of guy I find myself irrevocably attracted to. He is always at his lowest. He is always a cloud of negativity. And he's not good. He's just lawful. 
He just follows the rules. He does what needs to be done. I, you know, I don't have any problem with the rules. They help me do what I'm doing. So, I mean, Drop Goodwood's perfect. Sometimes I just follow him around. I don't even need anything from him. It's It sustains me, his constant state of perfect acceptance. Okay, so how do we make a deal with you? Violet. Violet Skittles Unicorn, if I may. You know how this works. Kind of, but that was like a weird situation, so... Like I said, there are two elements to the perfect sacrifice. The first is the desperation. The second is the ambition. Of course, everybody wants something. When everybody's dying, they say, oh, if only I had more time. But what do they really want? They just want to sit around, eat a couple more meals, see their family one more time? Boring. It's nothing. Uh, I only seek out the people who have ambition to make majestic sacrifices. People whose continued existence make the world turn it's like Hmm. a father who wants to invent technology that will change everything as we know it a monk who carries the last flame of an entire order an entire philosophy Hmm. some little fish people who don't even know how great their ambition is and who have the ability to warp reality around their own quest for love that's the kind of stuff that i can get behind those are great sacrifices and violet you have the market cornered on selfishness, don't get me wrong, but you were only really ever at your lowest the one time when your very unicornness, the thing that you hold most dear, was threatened. Right now, you're just, just an angry, boring mortal. You don't really have much to offer me, do you? Um, not a lot. I mean, I I want to save the world, but I don't know how. Nice. Someone else is going to have to do this. Well, I'm stuck. How dare you call them little fish people? (laughs) Listen, I can pick up on social cues. I don't feel and experience things the same way as you, but I understand that I've upset you. I've hurt your feelings. Um, I don't mean to degrade them, the Kuotoa. Obviously, they mean something to you. I'm sure they're nice. They're very short-sighted, very narrow-minded, which is useful, but I I don't think what I said was incorrect. It also seems like they aren't even necessarily cognizant of what you gave them, which makes the exchange a bit more one-sided from the looks of it, to your benefit. I'm not saying every deal is as good as it could be for everyone involved. Sometimes you give someone an offer and they don't haggle. It's not my responsibility to do that work for them. How much has your operations expanded since you started the flooding of the material plane? Oh, I mean, I'll be honest. The flooding has been great for me. It's driven a lot of people to a lot of desperation. Hmm. It's made a lot of people reflect in their hearts on what they really want to accomplish in life, what their true ambitions are. So I I want to be clear. It has been good for me, Mm -hmm. but it's not intentional. I'm, I'm not set out to destroy anything. I don't actually care about this place at all. It could sink or swim for all that matters to me something if you all are wiped off the face of the earth someone new will come along it's not it's not that big of a deal it's kind of a big deal to us i don't know if there's if either arcana would give me any insight at all of this but probably not i mean maybe but i think one of the things you're getting from him is his uh almost obsessive honesty like anything you ask he is more than happy to answer oh right 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 okay i've tried nothing and i'm all out of ideas so uh Zavala, you make deals and sacrifices, so maybe we should talk or something? If you guys want to make a deal, we can make a deal. I just need you all to say those words. 
Uh, okay, so which one of us wants to do this? Oh, it, it doesn't have to be all of you. But no, 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 no. We say the words, and that's not it. That's not it. You want something else? It's not just the words. It's what the words represent. No, you will take something else. You mean the physical marking? You, I, I've never really understood this about mortals. You get very invested in your, your physical bodies. It's a little foreign to me. Well, not all of us can be talking air. Boom. <laughs> it's a shame. Okay, so what I'm, what I'm trying to ask, what do we have to give up in order to get you to stop killing the world? Like, what is the um, sacrifice? Violet, I understand you're, you're not the quickest on the uptake. Let me just break it down for you in the simplest terms possible. I need you to say the words, I'll give you anything, and then I will take anything. That's all there is to it. There's no way you can turn this on me or be very clever. And that's probably not, that's not an issue for you. I just need you to be willing to sacrifice everything. Right. I understand that you get anything. That, that That's the part I understand. But what I'm saying is, what exactly do I get out of it? I don't know, Violet. What is in your heart? Um, squish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Are you the are you the first and only iteration of yourself, Zavala? Self seems like a, a limitation of your language. I I simply am. There is no other. Hmm. There is no self. And no one in their deepest of desires in their hearts ever desired the same capacity as you? Do you mean has anybody in their deepest desires of their heart ever wanted to become the abstract concept of something yes i'm basically asking did someone deepest desire was to be zavala themselves in the exchange no see that's that's an interesting thing about you Elias. you're always thinking big picture most people all they want is money or a hot wife or something stupid <laughs> like oh i want to be really honorable this, whatever. Most people are incredibly selfish and boring, and I don't even bother with those people usually. Mm -hmm. If someone has a really great ambition, like to end the practice of sacrifice or to have the strength to protect my village, that might be something interesting. Billy, my good bitch! How dare you! <laughs> <laughs> but no one has ever come to be asked to be what I am. <laughs> What do you think would happen if someone did? I mean, you are just an abstract thing. You, If someone wanted to replace you, it's not like it's a corporeal entity trying to replace another corporeal entity. It seems like something that would be curious to entertain, to say the least. That does sound very curious. The only thing I would warn you about in pursuing this route is that you've seen the marks and you've seen that they're temporary. When somebody dies who has made one of my deals, mm. the deal ends, the mark disappears, the portals disappear. I think you've witnessed that firsthand with your, your friend Welch. Yes. Uh, so, so even if your deepest desire was to become, to become like me, uh, that would only last for a limited time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and then I would be right back where I've always been. And how do you even make sure that your your deals are being upheld when you're no longer able to access the appropriate planes? Do you still have tendrils, invisible ones, that is, that extend beyond the planes across the wheel? 
able to keep track on your agreement, as they were. I'm here now physically, so it's a lot more noticeable and obvious. Hmm. But I've existed throughout all the fullness of time, you understand. What if somebody's deepest desire was for you to never have existed? See, now there is a juicy desire. That's an interesting, ambitious desire. I'll see, there's a reason I made a deal with this one already. She thinks in more dimensions than most mortals. I actually don't think that's a good idea, because if you change one thing, then a bunch of other things change. We can't mess with like the space-time continuum. People might like die and wake out of existence. Oh, yeah. That's what makes it so juicy. That's what makes it so ambitious is that it would reshape everything. So here's a question related to that. How many sacrifice deals have you made? Like a dozen, a hundred, a thousand? How much are we changing? Number the stars, Violet Skittles Unicorn. Oh, okay. So I feel like this is not a good idea because if it's that many, then everything changes and a bunch of people like wink out of existence and it's not good. Is that one of your heart's desires? Well, I, I mean, I'm th- I'm thinking about it right now. I I guess. How did you How did you even become connected with Drop in the first place? Oh, Drop's father. He had a very ambitious wish for a son to carry on his lineage and to lead his village and to unite the tribes of the Tiger Mountains. A fairly humble but ambitious wish. And he said the words in his deep, dark sadness. And so I opened a tiny little portal, just a tiny little pinprick of a portal, and uh, Drop Goodwood lived. And as I said, he's just magnetic to me. I just can't resist his dour negativity. It, it's not my fault, guys. <laughs> Wait, is it my fault? Oh, gosh. I mean, who, what's fault, right? There's cause and effect, actions and consequences. Am I responsible for your presence? No. Okay. The wheels turn. This time it was it was me who ended up here. And when I'm gone, someone else will come. And we'll all continue on this, this crazy carousel. What if the deepest desire was that this stupid fucking wheel never existed? <laughs> um... The wheel that holds the universe together? Now, I mean... I guess there'd be no universe. Yeah. If the wheel doesn't exist, now there's ambition to tear the world into so much confetti and send it careening off into the ether. I, I don't think we should do that. Mm-hmm. I get the feeling that no matter what we try to get done, it's going to have, like, like really, really bad, like, negative consequences no matter what. <laughs> like, no, ma- no matter what we ask for. What I don't get is the nature of the portals that you make as part of your exchange. Yeah, they're all different places. Yeah. Like I said, path of least resistance. Sometimes it's closer. Sometimes it's just thematically appropriate. Sometimes I just like to grab a little energy like your friend. You guys keep calling her a dog. She's not a dog. I understand that zoology is not any of your expertise, but she has a spider made of plants, and (laughs) it just felt right to go through the domain of Loth the spider goddess, to scoop up a little energy, you know? I understand the propensity for mortals to see patterns where none exist. I understand your propensity to be a dick. What if I uh, word my heart's desire? No, you don't get to word it. Oh, okay. 
What was the deal that you made with Glitter Gold? The head of Glitter Gold, that was. President Rosemary wanted to change the world with a magnificent invention that would please the gods and ensure his family's legacy for all generations. And that's what led him to the elemental plane of Earth. Mm-hmm. And he created airships, which, as long as this plane persists, will always be remembered as his great contribution to the world. That's pretty fair. I mean, the Blackhearts got an end to sacrifice. Lavinia got to protect her village. Shayathane got to continue the Order of the Calm Waters to carry that with her to the next generations. Welch got her sisters back, although you guys didn't let that last very long. But I, I came through. The Kuatoas got their gods. No one can say I've been unfair. They just, you, that's the thing. It is unfair because you know they didn't mean squished all into one big monster that they didn't even know was their god. It's not my fault their hearts are chaos. Get your heart game right, Kuatoa. Don't be a manipulative jerk. Uh, I think all of you are laboring under a misconception about the nature of your own hearts. Because I think you stand there right now and you think you have the world figured out. But I wonder if you'd like what you see when you look inside. And at this point, in a circle around the 11 of you, appears 11 doors. All of these doors are made of different materials. Some are wood, some are metal, some are stone. Um, They're of varying sizes. (laughs) Some are like a little too small to use. Some are enormous. But they gather around you in a circle, one for each of you. And then they open up. And then on the other side of these doors, you all see scenes. Oh, great. So if I look inside, am I going to actually see Atreyu looking back at me? (laughs) On the other side of the door in front of Joan, she sees a scene of herself sitting in a black throne in a palace in front of dozens of adoring drow subjects. And she waves a hand lazily to make decrees and lead her subjects. And in the throne next to her is Lita also decked out in full Loth garb as they are masters of Calypsia. You see another door in front of Professor Chance, and he is lounging in his opulent study with tens of thousands of books lined perfectly on bookcases as attractive young men and women bring him drinks and reviews of his latest book, which of course uh, have all the critics talking. Uh, You see in front of Sheriff Kay, His door scene shows him at a huge banquet in a church gilded with gold, and his whole family's there. Lavinia's there. Mary Moreno's there. All the pews are packed with parishioners. They're the most popular, successful church in all the land, and they're all together, and they're all happy. Everyone has a scene like that that reflects their heart's deepest desire. And what we're going to do now is round robin this to the player characters, as you described to me, either in a scene or maybe a simple sentence, after all of the character development you've gone through in this entire season, after all of the changes you've gone through and all the things you've overcome, what is your character's heart's deepest desire? Violet, let's start with you. (laughs) I'm picturing you stabbing, (laughs) but feel free. Do you want me to just describe what Violet sees? Yeah, you can either paint me a picture, you can just say Violet wants X, you can, you can do it any way you want. You, we can collaborate on this however you want to do it. This is the culmination of everything Violet has been throughout 37 episodes. Okay. Um, well, if we're talking about her heart's desire, basically ever since coming to the Prime Material realm, she has sort of lost her way. 
Aww. And she doesn't know the difference between right and wrong anymore. But back in Unicornocopia, she did. So her heart's desire is to be back there and a unicorn and to know the difference between right and wrong. So Violet's deepest desire is for moral clarity and simplicity and heroicism. More or less. Or if anybody else wants to go, if you have one ready, if you need more time. Yeah, mine was easy because Violet knows where she went wrong. <laughs> Uh, like she knows what is wrong with her and uh, what is different. I wasn't ready for this. It's okay. So while you guys are thinking, here's a couple more NPC scenes. In front of Tusk, his door shows him on top of a mountain, which is erupting, and there's lava behind him. He has both of his swords drawn, and he's fighting hundreds of other orcs. And they are slashing him to ribbons, but he he doesn't waver for a second. He's just so powerful and mighty. And after he's taken them all down single-handedly, from the smoke comes the final figure. It's Drop Goodwood, who looks, in his imagination, 12 feet tall, with rippling biceps the size of boulders. And Tusk goes into this battle knowing he can't win, but he does it anyway because it's honorable and fucking badass. And they have a mighty showdown in front of, on top of this erupting volcano, and it's everything he's ever wanted. And you see in the in the real world, he's tearing up a little bit at how glorious it is. Next season, can I just be Tusk? That is very cool. I mean, the hard thing for Elias is that most of his deepest desires have already been realized. Hmm. Like, he, like, he's been able to go on an adventure, learn magic, and at times feel legitimately like a hero for once, and in this case being able to help defend his home city. So there, he's in a, a curious position where his deepest desires are mostly satisfied, uh, at least the ones that would be most immediately pertinent to him in the forefront of his mind. The only other things he would have a desire for is being able to save the material plane that he's idealized for so much in his life. You know, There was the world that he believed it to be, that he read of, and fantasized about, in some extent, through the various books he's read, and he got to see the world in such disarray and so many people suffering that, you know, he's always wanted to be able to save as many people as he could. That is the only part of his desires that would still be remaining. The other, more obvious point would have all been effectively realized through the adventure. And I mean, that's a really great insight into his character. I'm just curious what he sees inside the door. I mean, uh, outside of him walking through the ragged woods, breaking past the tree line and seeing the lay of Lorelei, the material plane, in a state where people aren't rushing and panicking and backstabbing each other in order to try to hold on to a futile survival. So there's a couple of different ways this could be worded. If Elias's deepest desire is for Lorelei to be restored to a pre-Zavala state, or for Zavala to never have come here, or for Zavala to never have existed. These are all very similar ideas with similar outcomes, but the devil is like in the details a little bit. Right. And if you want to think kind of specifically about how, I know I've said he's not a genie, but right. because you have full mastery over your character's emotional state, you can kind of wiggle into a kind of specific wording if you want. Sure. I'll think on that a little bit further. So, so Vinny sees a forest that looks much like the Maragged Woods. The village of Spira, but way bigger. <laughs> Everybody has decently sized houses and lots of food. Everyone from the party is there. All our friends. Ziggy's there. 
Fox is there too, but he doesn't have a sword in his neck and he can actually talk. And she's holding hands with Hunter and they're writing music together and everyone's happy and alive and not injured and living in the woods together. You're looking at that and it's like the most beautiful, wonderful thing you can see, Vinny. And then you kind of look over to the left a little bit and you see Sherry's door and it's just her in a mountain of sandwiches, just (laughs) shoving more sandwiches in her mouth. She's like in a sandwich vault. And she's just going ham on him. I wish I had a sandwich to wear. <laughs> right? That's the best one. Is she going ham and Swiss on them or what? I'm not sure. <laughs> They're roast beef sandwiches, but she's going ham, which is kind of a hip-hop slang for hard as a motherfucker. Everyone in my vision now has sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny? That's a good joke. But actually, remember, your hearts are malleable. They're mercurial and they're right. open to being influenced. So seeing each other's desires could change your own. Like right now, like you all feel a little bit embarrassed that all of your wishes are so selfish. Like you came here to stop him and you all said like, oh, I wish you had never existed. Oh, I wish you'd go away. And then it's like, what do you actually want? Oh, I want to hang out with my friends and not have to worry. So like you've talked a big game, but there there's a definitely an element of exactly what he's accused you of in these. But it doesn't have to stay like that. You can have the revelation and be like, is that the kind of person I want to be? Give me give me one more. Mm-hmm. Let's hear it. Okay. Shea Thane's door shows her doing stretches. And for a while, you just see her by herself. But then the view zooms out. And there are rows of trainee monks at the newly rebuilt Order of the Calm Waters as she passes on the secrets and the philosophy of the order to a bunch of new underprivileged kids like drop goodwood and you don't recognize any of these people they're all young and they're all sick or sad or (laughs) clearly come from circumstances that have led them here that are far from happy but then from the corner of this image drop walks up and surveys them and says how are they doing and Shea Thane says, they're doing great, Goodwood. I think we're doing something special here. Wow, I'm in so many people's doors. <laughs> <laughs> and and that is her scene, just the idea of rebuilding the order and passing on all that they are to a new generation to help them, just the way she helped you. All right, Drop Store looks, looks very simple. Mm-hmm. It looks rather like, uh, it looks rather familiar to him at least in terms of how he had conducted his life before at the monastery. But what's really, really special about it is how the the mood that exudes from it, the expression on his face is not worrisome. He's not frightened. He doesn't look concerned and or beset by something. In fact, he looks he looks really, really, actually really quite confident and you can you can tell though that that just by looking at him through the door he still has like all of the scars that he's had through like his entire uh through the entire campaign through the entire journey yeah so so basically there's there's a a look on his face one of acceptance but also of control like the way that he's conducting himself about his his day-to-day life you know, maybe doing training drills at the monastery, maybe making sandwiches in the kitchen or something like that, is that absolutely everything that he's he's doing, it's like he's completely aware of the fact that he's fully in control 
mm. of that situation. Like he doesn't he doesn't feel influenced by anything. He doesn't feel like he's he's frightened. It doesn't feel like his fate is any other than his own. That that he gets to choose. I like that. Drop's deepest desire is to have agency in the world and to not be not be at the mercy of greater powers. Yeah. Because I mean for his whole life he feels like he's been dogged by death. Mm. And then, you know, what with uh, uh the flooding of Lorelei and then the shenanigans that the party had gotten into, constantly he feels like he's just kind of been bounced around and he doesn't want to wipe any of it clean. He doesn't want to take the scars away. He needs to he wants to accept the things that he's done and the person that he's become, but he wants to have agency. He wants he wants to have the power to be able to to control his own fate. Nice, Elias. Are you ready? Or there's one more NPC. Yeah, I I have I have something for Elias. It's a bit of a switch up, but it's a mm-hmm. a fairly complex thing he sees through the door because it's not a single thing. It's not a single moment. Mm-hmm. It's a, a effectively a montage, more time lapse of sort. Especially given how the Feywild moves. A weird sense of time related to the material plane. And what he sees is in one moment he's in Metal Arc with other citizens from Mithrandane and a deal's being struck with uh, Rosemary. The next moment he's waking up in one of the inns within Myknos while there's a coordinated effort to repair and, and restore the city to its prior state. He's seeing himself in the Tiger Mountains with others basically engaged in a larger-scale, long-term repair of the material plane because Elias realizes that to reverse what has happened entirely would cause possibly the undoing and death of others. And it's un- if it's not possible to reverse what has happened Perhaps it is possible to repair what has been done in efforts moving forward with basically the support of not only his family, but the community he grew up in. And since they can move in and out of the material plane with larger gaps, they can come in, instill some influence, instill some change in one location, depart and return to help make sure that the material plane is back on the path to recovery after being so unfairly and relentlessly uh, trounced by forces beyond their ability to comprehend and in such grand ways. So there's a lot of character detail in all of these vignettes, but I think what's interesting is there's developed kind of a schism between Violet and Lavinia who want to erase Zavala's influence and create kind of idyllic worlds and drop and Elias who want to accept what has happened and moved on and fix things. I don't think there was anything specific in Violet's door about how, how to fix the world. Hers was more centered on her own failings. Uh, I, I don't think she, I don't think she's uh, like decided on that at all. So it's, it's, these aren't reconcilable Okay, is the idea. So you can still change your answers. You can still think and reflect on these. But it seems we've reached a point where not everybody is going to get what they want. Right. Oh, no, definitely. Mm-hmm. So while Vinny is watching her scene and uh, seeing Hunter and Ziggy and all the other people who have died, 
especially Hunter. Mm-hmm. She starts crying, and um, I don't know what's gonna see what's gonna show up in the vision because uh, that's up to you. But she starts thinking because Vinny is a very very emotional being. Mm-hmm. She gets angry and starts thinking about how she really wishes he would just never exist. It, it not he, but Zavala never existed. Yeah. Basically, her heart's desire at this point. So, the image on the other side of the door shows you a world where Zavala never existed. That's highly specific. It's not the same as he never came here or he never made X deals. Right. This is a world where he never existed. And as the scene kind of flies around Lorelai in this world, it is unrecognizable. First, you see the Tiger Mountains, and you don't even realize the the Tiger Mountains at first because there's no smoke. Mm-hmm. Because the gnomes never felt the need to sacrifice their happiness and well-being to glorify Garl Glitter Gold. So they never had the mining accident, which started the underground fire. The orcs, goblins, and gnolls never existed because they are all created as subservient races to dark gods who require sacrifice. So Groomsh doesn't exist. Uh, so the orcs don't exist. And the same with the goblins and the gnolls. You see Mykonos, which is just homogenous it's just people humans and you at first you're not even sure if they are humans because they're all like pink <laughs> they're <laughs> they're like white people which aren't don't really exist here and then you see you see the cascades which is basically just bullywugs there's just frogs walking around the the view like flies down the tunnels and there just aren't any drow they've never existed because the drow spun off when loth left the elven pantheon and without sacrifice Loth doesn't have a place in the world, so the drow don't exist. And then you see the Ragged Woods, and it's Kenku, but they just seem to be sentient but not sapient bird people. Not the Jeffs! <laughs> they never really took up any religions like Alonaism. They never really elevated themselves beyond what they originally were, which were birds cursed to not fly. Um, so you see... Lorelai without sacrifice, having never been touched by sacrifice, and it is bland and beige and homogenous and at gap stores everywhere. <laughs> I know. And nothing in it makes you feel anything. But there doesn't seem to be war or sickness or strife or anything. It's just people just living. And that's what you see on the other side of the door where Zavala never existed. Well, we can't give Lorelai to the white people. Vinny's gonna fall slash sit and just cry into her hands like, I don't know. I just want everyone to be happy. While you guys think the last NPC scene, which we haven't seen, is Lita's, and you see uh, her in her little Tony Stark lab just building things. She has all kinds of new suits of armor. She's built what can only be described as a gun. <laughs> she's she's basically spending her days in her greatest joy, which is creation and tinkering. Um, and that goes on for a while, and it's kind of boring. But then a door down into the workshop opens up from above. Apparently she's in the basement. Light spills in, and Joan comes down uh, with a picnic basket. And that scene kind of gets private. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys all turn away respectfully. Oh, okay. That's what's in everybody's hearts right now, but hearts are subject to change. So if you have any other thoughts or any other changes. Yeah, like Violet has something she wants to say. Mm -hmm. So she kind of speaks up and she says, you know, back in Unicornicopia, 
everyone had me thinking I was good. If something bad happened, I would just show up and they would stop because I'm because I was a unicorn. I never had to make any hard decisions about right and wrong and about how to protect my friends. And everyone had me thinking I was a hero. But I think that was phony. I don't think I was a hero. I think I was just a unicorn. Going back home won't fix that. If we just wish Zavala didn't exist, it's bad. It's not good. I saw it. Yeah. I think we have to accept the bad things that have happened and rebuild and just put in the hard work. So in Violet's mind, the hard work here is accepting the way things have happened so far, but what does she want to do about Zavala in this moment, I guess is my question. I don't think she wants to wish Zavala away. I think she wants to, like, make the water just kind of go away, like like swoosh up. Um, How does that look, though? In, in my mind, it's just kind of like the 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 water that shouldn't be there is no longer there, and the water that used to be there and is normal is back. I'm trying to think of the movie where, like, everything kind of reverses and, um... Superman! Yes, God. That's the movie you're thinking of. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Why couldn't I think of that? But yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm talking about. Yeah, so uh, what I'm trying to say is that I think Violet accepts that people have died, but wants the water to recede and wants to help rebuild the world um, instead of just messing with the space-time continuum. Okay, so if Violet's new desire is to stop the flooding, that means Zavala is still here and doing stuff, and presumably Mother is still in the ocean. So, um, and I think an NPC points that out to you. Yeah, I feel like there's really no option that's like 100% perfect. Vinny, while she's having her sit, is uh, thinking about stuff and how much she doesn't want everything to be white. <laughs> and she thinks about it really hard. And I'd say Vinny's true final, like, main, the real heart of her desire, of her heart, is uh, she doesn't want Hunter's sacrifice to have been in vain. And what does that look like? Because I can think of a number of things that would give it meaning, but if I, I don't want to take it out of your hands and be like, this is how I interpret it. <laughs> well, the way I interpret it, there's several prongs to that. Mm -hmm. The main thing would be that the Kuatoa are back to, to norm normal, I guess. They have their gods back. They're not gooey, or they're less gooey. <laughs> <laughs> so if Lavinia's desire is to actualize Hunter's wishes... That would disentangle Mother, send all of the Dark Gods back to their planes, close them, and then the water would still be high, because Kuatoa like water, right. but it wouldn't be rising anymore. And so everything that has happened will have happened. The world will be different and scary, but not actively getting worse. Man, what would it be like if we disentangled the Kuatoa consciousness? I don't know that... Hunter wanted that? I think he just kind of accepts that's the way he is. I'm just, I'm just, you know, throwing stuff out there. Then they would just kind of be fish people. No, I mean, like, if they had never had an entangled consciousness. That that gets into their backstory, because their whole reason their consciousness is like that is because they were slaves to a, an alien race of terrible things called illithids. So... Mm -hmm. I know the illithids. Intimately. We go to <laughs> dinner every Tuesday. So that might mean they either, like never were enslaved or maybe they escaped very more early there's a couple different ways that could shake out but i don't know that any of you know in character about that but violet tries to get zavala's attention um hey zavala <laughs> are you there zavala it's me violet yeah <laughs> 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 
Yeah, what's up? Okay. Um, Violet says, so as I understand you, you're, you're, you're not so much a person as you are a concept. So th- you don't really understand necessarily the difference between right and wrong. Is, is that true? Am I getting that? Have you ever contemplated how ants feel about the weather? Um, what I mean, what I mean is you don't understand why we care about good and why you, you don't. If that helps you. Sure. Okay. All right. Um, so you, you understand what I'm saying. So what if we give you a conscience? You're going to never ending story to him. Yeah. And then, (laughs) and then Zavala will feel bad about what it does. And then... You're straying off into genie territory a little bit there. <laughs> I I don't find it believable that Violet would, in her deepest, darkest desire, in her deepest heart's desires, really just want Zavala to have a conscience. <laughs> if it helped, I don't, all right. I had a crazy Violet idea. Wouldn't Violet want, wish that he was corporeal so that she could kill him? That is a tempting offer. Isn't that not the Violet way? It absolutely is, but I've been having Violet, you know, like, have an epiphany about, like, right and wrong, and she's thinking about mercy and being noble. But, I mean, Vinny could mention it to her, and then we could see what that looks like. I would be open to that idea. Vinny says, Violet, I'm surprised that you didn't, your heart's desire isn't for it, him, is, is Zavala to be physical so that you could punch him in the face. With your sword. <laughs> Violet immediately <laughs> perks up and was like, ooh. And she starts thinking about it, like, but she doesn't know how that would shake out exactly. <laughs> um, so she says, hey, hey, Elias, do, do you know what would happen if Zavala was like a meat? Might if I just roll Arcana in this just to see if, like, Elias would intuit. See what happens here. Natural 2029. 20, oh my god. <laughs> we have to know what's going on. All right. So two things happen. One is Violet looks through her door and in it, she sees herself running forward with her sword over her head, just doing her berserker. Yeah. And she's just slashing away, slashing away. And then the camera pulls out and you see what she's charging at, which is presumably Zavala's physical form granted or perhaps cursed <laughs> to him by her heart's desire. And what Zavala looks like in the door is a vaguely humanoid figure composed of mismatched parts. So there's a small goblin hand, and there's a cracked gnome skull, and there's a reptilian eye, and there's a bunch of knoll entrails, and there's scraps of dark human skin, and there's blackened smoke-filled lungs, and there's an inordinate amount of kuatoa tongues just hanging out of its fleshy mouth. It's an amalgamation of all of the parts it has taken from people. Well, what happens in the image when Violet kills it? Violet raises her sword high, and as she swings it down, the image gets hazy. And Elias, with your critical hit on the Arcana, you know that Zavala is deliberately not showing Violet what that would do. (laughs) Your crit tells you that this is a pretty bad outcome for him, for it. Of all the things you guys have suggested, this is not its favorite. Oh, well, um, let's do that. It would do something, although the nature of Zavala means that it's not helpless. It's still very powerful, and it would definitely intend on making this difficult. Okay, well, I feel like I could take it if I had more HP, but I'm at like 19 now, so um, someone could... 
Oh, I can do something about that. Okay, thank you. <laughs> so Vinny's going to cure wounds if he can get away with it. Thank you. <laughs> Zavala has no physical form, so he cannot interfere with any of you. I guess we really do have to ask ourselves the question, is making a deal with this thing the solution? Because, I mean, that is the problem, right? Mm-hmm. My, my solution is stabbing, so I feel like I've been pretty good at it so far. I'm I'm Team Stab. <laughs> We've all joined Team Violence now. So Lavinia starts using Cure Wounds on Violet, but Elias, with your crit, you're still thinking Arcana-wise. It pops into your head that you guys came here to stop Zavala. That has always been your plan, and it's still probably a very good one, but you guys have kind of been glossing over, like, what exactly happens when we do that? That's kind of been a background question for a while, and you all have been just being like, well, let's see. Mm-hmm. And now faced with the very real possibility that this is about to happen, it occurs to you that if you're if you're pinning all your hopes on killing Zavala, ending the Geshes, closing the portals, stopping the flooding, ending Mother, with all good stuff, it might also stop the deals that are keeping some of your friends alive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a thought that occurs to you. Mm-hmm. He looks so violent, and he looks over to Vinny, and he looks over to Dropin. You know... If we endeavor to defeat Zavala, it could very well mean the end for for Dr. Sherry, for anyone else that is being sustained through a deal. Just looking at the characters who are present, uh, Sherry, Lita, Shayathane, and Lavinia are currently under Gesh. What if somebody's desire was for Zavala to disappear without killing the people who were left alive. All right, so you see on the other side of the door, all of you standing on this roof, the photonegative element of your surroundings fades away. A bunch of Eladrin guard burst up onto the roof and start tackling you guys to the ground and dragging you away. The camera fades out, shows a bunch of locations all throughout Lorelei. There's the remains of the orc army kind of huddling around a campfire, there's the waterlogged, ragged woods. Everybody has it having evacuated. There's the ship with Mayor Moreno, Isaac, Judy, and Jem on it. Everyone's kind of sitting around, occupying themselves. There's the ruins of Mykonos. There's Hole in the Earth, still under drought occupation. Zavala has been banished, so things aren't getting any worse. But they sure haven't gotten any better. Look, we have a bunch of like options that are, and none of them are perfect, but I feel like the one in in which Zavala doesn't want us to do, like is actively uh, obscuring, might be good. So if you guys can think of something better, I'm open to it, but otherwise. If anybody doesn't, if nobody else has anything else to say, I have things to say, but they're probably pretty final things because I don't want Leon to stab, so. All right. I'm giving everyone else a chance before Leon ends his chance that he gave everyone. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like there's something better here. This is what he's going to say. I want to make a deal. I have a deal I want to make. What is your door show? Then he thought about it a lot. Mm-hmm. She's kind of squished a lot of her ideas together. Mm-hmm. Vinny's heart's desire mm-hmm. is for, one, Lorelai to go back to how it was before the flooding. Mm-hmm. Flaws and all. Mm-hmm. And for Zavala to no longer exist but the people that he was keeping alive not die all right that's that's a little too genie that's a little too genie okay well then 
Do you mind if I kind of condense it into one thing, trying to keep the spirit of it? Yeah, go ahead. How does this strike you? Is Lavinia's heart's deepest desire that Zavala existed, but when the wheel turned, the spoke never intersected with these yes with these planes so he's out there the world still got to the same point but 20 years before the campaign started things just went (laughs) things just happened naturally without his direct intervention is that the spirit of what you're saying that yeah yeah that's basically what i'm saying you just worded it better (laughs) uh so on the other side of your door here's what you see Mm -hmm. you see lorelei and it is flawed it is messy it's full of all kinds of people doing all kinds of things with unique cultures and governments and perspectives. It, it, it is problematic, but also beautiful. You see the city of Spira. Everyone's in high spirits. The The cult is gaining traction. They're getting new followers. You see Mayor Moreno and Sheriff Kay uh, sitting around the spiral of Lorelei while Lavinia puts on a performance with her lute. She is a human girl with brown skin. Um, and everyone is gathered around and very excited to see her perform. And in the audience, you even see a half-orc who's very excited to be there. Oh. In Mykonos, you see uh, the city thriving. Uh, the council is corrupt, but life goes on. <laughs> Government. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and people find their way. Some people have harder times than others, but life is what it is. Unfortunately, as the camera zooms in to the Temple of Primus, you see four figures bleeding to death on the floor having gone off on an adventure to stop sacrifice and meeting with the blade of a deranged Modron and having nothing to save them, they perish. You see the Tiger Mountains, uh, humans and gnolls and goblins and orcs all talking and coming together. The gnoll goblin wars have abated slightly. They're not over, but the orcs have gained control, partially uh, thanks to a Mr. Goodwood who helped negotiate uh, some of the latest packs, which are keeping peace at bay. He's a local leader. Uh, sadly, he is uh, a widower. He has two children, none of whom are named Drop, because Drop Goodwood died in childbirth. You see the Cascades, where the Bullywugs and the Drow live in mutual ignorance. <laughs> Although recently, a magical lockdown caused a hag to try to infiltrate their society, but Eventually, she was sent packing and she was arrested by forest cops in Unicornicopia, <laughs> namely the forest's near- newest hero, Violet Skittles Unicorn. Who made captain because of the case. All right. <laughs> <laughs> in Mithrandane, a young 100-year-old Eladrin boy sees a, a random portal open and jumps through it. And he goes on a fun adventure in Lorelei and meets all kinds of new friends. And nothing particularly dangerous or scary happens. And he definitely gets in trouble when he gets back. But having made friends across both dimensions, um, he brings Mithra and Dane and Lorelai closer together. And they uh, they start interacting and trading. Actually, at some point in the Alona Church, Jeff becomes a title, like Archbishop. <laughs> I'm the Jeff of Canterbury. <laughs> but Professor Chance never has any reason to venture across the ocean, so he never sees Lorelai. Shayathane leads the Order of the Calm Waters, which has only thrived. Nothing bad really ever happened to it. She's happy and content. Tusk stays leader of the orc camp. The airships are never invented, I would suspect. The airships are never invented. President Rosemary is killed in a tragic mining accident, and his son Isaac becomes president of Glittergold. And they continue being 
lawfully good and mildly greedy, but ultimately harmless. And so life in Lorelei goes on with, from your guys' perspectives, the casualties being Drop and the Blackhearts and Lavinia 2, if you consider Lavinia 1 to be a separate person. I do. Lavinia 2 never existed. Drop Goodwood did not live. What about Hunter? Um, Hunter and, Hunter and the Kuatoa continued their lifestyle of being slightly crazed religious fanatics who occasionally kidnap and sacrifice people. Yeah. But they get their they get their responses they want from the sea mother and that they're pretty thrilled with that. And so occasionally they get into little skirmishes with the drow or the bullywugs or the gnomes, but a general equilibrium is reached. Like I said, life in Lorelei is imperfect and messy, but everyone does their best. Vinny's gonna... Uh, okay, I'm about to do a thing. I'm about to do the thing. So if anybody has anything to say... Elias likely sees what's through Vinny's door. Everyone does. And then looks over to Drop and Joan and Lita sort of gauge their reactions to what's happening through there. Joan and Lita clasp hands and Lita leans her head against Joan's chest and seems like she's on the verge of tears. But Joan reassures her and Lita nods, sad but knowing. Sherry sees this and she says... Uh, this this will fix everything this is what we deserve this is right and Elias just looks to drop and Vinny looks at drop drop shrugs <laughs> and says maybe today's the day Violet kind of whimpers <laughs> Sheriff K takes Vinny's hand and says Vinny you were perfect and all the NPCs Give Lavinia encouraging gestures, thumbs ups, and nods. And Shayathane puts a hand on Drop's shoulder and says, I knew you could handle it, Goodwood. Vinny, Vinny's going to look at everyone uh, with tears in her eyes. And she's going to say, I'm sorry, I couldn't do better. And uh, then she says, uh, Zavala, I'll give you anything. And with that... There is an explosion of change. I set my sail. Fly the wind, it will take me back to my home, sweet home. Drop Goodwood is erased from existence. The Blackhearts die on the floor of the Temple of Primus, and everybody lives their lives in Lorelei as if it had never been plagued by the manifestation of sacrifice known as Zavala. But Lavinia, Lavinia I, the human, goes through life with a strange mark around one of her fingers a green stripe like a wedding ring 
that she doesn't remember where it came from or what it means. I'm sorry I killed your character, Johnny. Hi, no, you didn't kill the character. The character never existed, Lauren. <laughs> but through his bravery, who knows how many people were saved? Tens of thousands, because the waters drowned countless places. Right. So Drop Goodwood never lived, but yet he he was still a hero. He touched millions of people. All without punching <laughs> a single dude. <laughs> so in the end, truly, was it not drops not punches that saved us all <laughs> it's like jazz it's all about the punches you don't punch exactly <laughs> aren't the real punches the friends we make along the way <laughs> someone had to say it <laughs> the real punches hit me right here so elias after you jumped through the portal which led from the feywild to the ragged woods just on a lark to go on a little adventure. Mm -hmm. You made all kinds of friends. You met the leaders of Spira. You met council members from Mykonos. You met uh, some higher ups in Glitter Gold. You just had yourself kind of a picaresque trek across these lands. And when you returned after the hearings and the probation <laughs> were over, you um, decided to put a little envoy together and go on a diplomatic mission uh, to open up trade relations and to bring these places closer together because you think they have a lot to offer. Although, of course, you still think Eladrin culture is superior. Of course it is. That's that that's why we need to make these envoys. Yeah. These I mean these cultures over in Lorelei are certainly fascinating, but uh, they're so uncouth about things over there. You wouldn't believe it. I mean, uh, I I don't want to get you st I don't want to alert you about the the cult in the ragged woods. They're very nice. They're just very weird with their with their Jeffs. I was greeted by at least six of them at one moment. Mykonos is fine, just it's what you would expect a uh, a city of lower brow individuals living in a densely populated area to be. There's enough crime for there to be protection and enough corruption for that protection to be a little more insulated than it needs to be. Uh, the gnomes... I mean, they're, they are, they're laced with a little bit of magic from the Fae, but they're very un like with their self-interest. But I will say this, the, the president of the Glitter Gold Company, he's a, he plays a very good, very good hand of cards, if I do say so myself. Where is this meeting taking place, do you think? Because the Ragged Woods are too uncivilized for an Eladrin. It would most likely be in Mykonos, in one of the more lavish inns that they have. Or, or maybe even in President Rosemary's manor. That's it. Yeah, in his manor. Right. Which has never been filled with corpses. Right, right. And and this and, and, and to kind of to explain out of character for the fans at home why this might be the case, because one of the things we never actually invoked for Elias's background was his actual feature, which was the whole fact that since he's such an odd looking individual he just sort of draws interest towards himself as not just an elf, but a weird-looking elf. That is what's been able to help during his first excursion to uh, Lorelei to be able to get into places and meet people. It's just like, where are you from? Oh, you're from the Feywild. We haven't had a visitor for X number of decades or even hundreds of years and such. So he inadvertently became possibly the first of many Eladrin to begin visiting uh, the material plane after a intentional 
a stay on visitations. Yeah, and because Zavala never visited the material plane, right? Welch never needing to go on quite as big of a rampage. She just kind of she just dabbled in some teleportation and infiltration and got caught. Mm-hmm. So a lot of things are different, right? But who's at this party? Right off the top of my head, I think Police Captain Violet Skittles Unicorn of Unicornocopia is obviously in the Eladrin Envoy with Sildiel Valamin and Elias Valamin. All right, that's cool. I mean, you're always interested in humans, by the way, Leon, yeah. and, and such, so you would have come with anyway. Yeah, I mean, in, in this timeline, uh, she 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 doesn't sour on uh, all that. All right, so Violet is a unicorn, and she walks up to Beeble and says, Hello, uh, Violet Skittles unicorn, uh, unencumbered by conscience. Hello, how are you? <laughs> all right, so you're going around introducing yourself. Um, I think... Vinny and the Jeffs are playing a nice tasteful concert in the manor. In the crowd is a half-orc and a blue kenku who are watching with rapt attention while Isaac goes around and uh, hobnobs with the elite. Uh, you also see the leader of Hole in the Earth, a very large bullywug named Crusher, and his personal bodyguard, a smaller bullywug, whose name is Ziggy. So proud of him. And they go around and... Uh, no one really knows exactly how to handle them, but uh, Lavinia, you help translate uh, between sets and you start getting closer to these characters as <laughs> both of your dads take every opportunity to try to convert people to alonism and to solicit donations to the church. <laughs> Elias still knows magic and probably has more formally trained as a blade singer. Yeah, and also during your Rumspringa. <laughs> <laughs> in Lorelei, yes. you still ran into Lavinia, who knew magic, and you guys kind of collaborated. So I bet you probably share more spells than you might think. And you're not as close as you were having gone on that journey, but you still know each other, and you wave across the ballroom. Right, right. Uh, Leas is going to approach Isaac directly and just sort of gives him a bit of a grin, as it, chances are the person he probably became one of the one of the closer friends he's made during his time here has probably been Isaac. Inexplicably, in every timeline, you somehow get along great with this bro. He's like, hey, dude. You still owe me for that last round we had against each other. I, t- I could have sworn you said, I owe you, Elias, next time. Yeah, charge it to the company card, man. <laughs> uh, you always talking about magic or money. Come on, man. It's a party. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Hey, what? You know what I heard? What do you hear? What do you hear? I hear there's going to be a fish person. A fish person? You mean like a you mean like a Kuatoa? Yeah, apparently they might show like I we invited them as like a formality, just trying to be nice. But you didn't expect it to show up, did you? No, nah, dude, but apparently they've incited a little they sent a little dinghy. I mean, listen, I I <laughs> I haven't lived around here as long as you have, but even I know that is the Kuatoa aren't ones to necessarily show up invited. They tend to crash parties more than head into the front door. Yeah, that's why we got we got extra muscle. And he points to the <laughs> corner where you see a bunch of orc bodyguards are like trying to be stealthy, like hiding behind potted plants and stuff. But they're enormous and they stick out like sore thumbs. You don't know any of them, but there's probably some familiar faces. Well, I'll leave you to it. I know you have plenty of people that you need to talk to, Isaac. Yeah, man. This job is uh, 24-7. Never ends. 
you, you planning on going on a bit of a yachting ex- expedition at some point soon? I think I'm gonna. Go, I think I'm gonna go hunting next week. It's been a while. Hunting? Where at? Uh, probably Akamoros across the ocean to the west. I've heard bad things about that. So if you go, just make sure to keep yourself safe. All right. All right. Thanks, man. I'm gonna say Violet uh, overhears this and says, "I hear everyone there's an asshole." <laughs> uh, uh, Vinny's gonna. She's been talking to the, the belly lugs, Ziggy and Crusher. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, Crusher! I didn't know you knew so many equations. Yeah, math's kind of a hobby for me. Uh, it's not a lot of use I get at, out of it as leader of Hole in the Earth, but whenever I get some time to myself, I do some. You know, some linear functions. This is a little thing I made up. Have you ever thought of maybe letting Ziggy here take over for a little while and going to, like, <laughs> work with some scientists? <laughs> Crusher laughs and Ziggy looks around awkwardly. Um, I think there's, like, a, a cultural snafu, uh, a faux pas, if you will, for you to say that, but they know you didn't mean anything by it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I have, I have some urgent alone business to take care of. I'll, see, I'll be back. In a minute, okay? You guys enjoy yourselves. I, I gotta go to the little Alona, uh, little Alona's room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when he goes over to uh, Violet. Hey, Violet. Your coat's looking extra shiny today. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, for such a formal party, I had to look. Uh, I had to look my best. So I, I'm all washed up. I'm good. Have you thought about my invitation for an all expenses paid trip? The village of Spira? My dad will not stop telling me to get you there. <laughs> You're kind of a big deal. Sure. Well, you know, uh, recently I made captain uh, uh, in in the forest police. Uh, so I, I guess I am now. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh, man. We're going to get so many followers. Yeah, I'll come. <laughs> <laughs> Just watch out for the kids over there. <laughs> <laughs> Violet does have a reputation of bumping into human children. At, at the end of this conversation, uh, there's some gasps from near the door, and you guys hear the heavy footsteps of Father, leader of the Kuatoa, walking into the room. And he is, of course, carrying his hooks on hooks on hooks weapon, the suffering, uh, completely oblivious to its social implications. <laughs> but walking ahead of him, are two Kuatoa who are carrying a red carpet and they throw it out in front of him <laughs> so he can walk on it as he enters. And then they kind of like try to fade into the background as he walks in and starts asking for translators. He wants to talk to the man in charge. Mm. <laughs> we we require many nutrients. Bring us the capers. <laughs> Violet, uh, Violet sort of coughs and says, douche. <laughs> Hi. Hello. Hi. My name is Vinny. Hi. Who are you? You've never been here before, but it's great to see the Kuatoa come, finally. Hello, my name's Hunter. Hi. Um, so I don't want to, like, piss that guy off, and I know he doesn't know any better, but, um, do you think there's a good way to tell him that he probably should, like, leave his weapon in the dinghy or something? (laughs) A lot of people are getting upset about it. Oh, Father likes his ceremonial scepter very much. I don't think, I've never seen him without it. Oh, jeez. Well, you don't think he's going to stab anyone, do you? I don't think so. We're here to try to bully the gnomes into giving us food. I mean, we're here on a ambassadorial mission. That's what it was. <laughs> I like to bully them into giving me food sometimes, too. It's okay. I won't tell. 
<laughs> uh, Mother, I don't think we need to make any sort of threats or the like, but uh, we should probably just keep an eye on that one over there until they've had a chance to work things out with Isaac. As you, t- you tell Sildiel that, and she nods, and she writes something in her notebook, and she shifts some papers around. She's here for work than the rest of you are. Mm. Um, but at that, the doors once again are thrown open, and this time marches in a particularly angry dwarf. <laughs> Question, out of character. Did he ever have a name? Nope. <laughs> Can it be Ronald? What? He walks in, glaring around as if... Everyone here has personally offended him, but then he kind of hoves in on Violet, goes straight for her, and holds out a fist within which is clenched a sort of official missive. And he he says, you're in charge, yes? Yes, I am a unicorn. Take this, get out of my face. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, Uh, Violet uh, does so uh, with her hooves, I guess. Fuck ye. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. Is that fuck ye or fuck ye? Why ye? Fuck ye. Oh my god. Is that like you said fuck ye? Fuck ye. <laughs> I, believe, I, I believe his actual name is Flatforge. That's his family name at the very least. Is... I still like Ronald. Fuck ye, Flatforge. Ronald Flatforge Fuck ye. <laughs> is his canon name now. Alright. Violet, you unroll the missive, which was not intended for you, but this angry dwarf did not care to deliver it where it was supposed to go and it is a diplomatic missive from Calypsia, the drow city from someone named Gwendolyn who uh wishes to open up trade relations with Mykonos and to bring the drow more fully into Lorelei society if if this isn't really for me violet loses interest uh Elise is going to snap his fingers and use his invisible mage sand to sort of <laughs> Work the missive out of Violet's whatever she's using to hold on to it. Yeah, if, if no, seriously, like <laughs> she does not resist if if this is not actually about her. So, Elias takes a glance over it and his eyebrows lift and glances over to Silvio. It looks like the Drow are trying to harvest some sort of deal with this city as well. <laughs> she says, "Yeah, I, I hear that they've been trying to get in touch, but any Drow messengers are seen as threats and repelled." So. Understandably so, yes. I guess they had to get creative. Indeed. Um, Elise would know the person who's most in charge with regards to Mykonos. Is that Isaac or? Yeah, I think you're going to go and hand that off to Isaac. Right. Yeah. All right. So let's have one thing everyone can participate in that will be the closing image of this season. What is something that you would all like to do? Violet wants to dance. Yeah. <laughs> so you want the final it to be a, like a DreamWorks <laughs> and dancing end credits? Yeah, it makes sense for Violet in this timeline. Um, mm-hmm. Her ending, uh, like it, it seems like it's like mostly happy because she's back to being a unicorn, but it's actually super sad because she will never go through like the personal growth or understanding like the nuance of good and evil. Well, that's what she sacrificed. I mean, that's the theme, that Violet sacrificed her personal growth as a good person. Drop sacrificed his life. Lavinia, too, sacrificed her life. Elias sacrificed the bonds he made with them. He still is alive, and his life is fine, but he'll never have those exact friendships again. I mean, he also sacrificed, effectively, the moments where he got to actually be a hero. You got to go on, like, a mild adventure, but it was more of, like, you know, kind of an Undertale-ish, oh, let's meet all these weird people. Oh, okay. 
See you later. And he also never actually was touched by the favor of the gods in this timeline like he was before, yeah. which I think was kind of a, a minor personal goal. Uh, it, it was. It, it was a nice thing, though. Yeah, I, I'm I'm going to like roll for performance to uh, to dance. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, what Elise would be doing is that if Lavinia is playing a song or something, he sort of like basically does sort of a minor illusionist slash magic show to add some flourish to the whole thing. Like a laser light show? Yeah, he basically does sort of like a wizardish laser lights show off to the side to help add some flourish to the party. Yeah, I was thinking, Lavinia, you could even pass it off to the Jeffs and maybe join the dance. I like that, too. Elias rolls a 20 on his performance. I only rolled 11. <laughs> so Elias's 20 basically turns him into Skrillex, <laughs> and he just starts going ham on those lights. Oh, my. Although Vinny's clumsy, so it makes sense for her not to be the best dancer. And Violet's a horse. Lavinia's 11. Uh, you're fine, but a little clumsy. And I think at one point you bump into a half-orc. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's... Oh my god, are you Lavinia? That's my name. Don't wear it out. Pew pew, finger guns. <laughs> oh, you're you're clever, too. <laughs> uh, this is awkward. <laughs> is it? What? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to make you weird. No, it's... A, it's and. You before you even know what's happening, you're dancing with her as you guys are being super awkward. Everyone's blushing. Yeah, everyone's blushing. And then Violet with the fifteen. Yeah. You cut an improbable rug <laughs> in here. Okay. It defies all common sense and logic, just as Violet has always done. She does a backflip. Yeah, I also do that. <laughs> <laughs> why not? I don't see why not. Acrobatics to do a backflip. Okay. Do it. Uh, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Would it be terrible if the last roll I did on the show, like, botched? I hope so. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Botch! Ah! It was it! <laughs> <laughs> that really happened. Uh, it really did. Um, <laughs> okay. Violet, you dance incredibly until you try a backflip and you land in the punch bowl. <laughs> <laughs> And break the table. And cups go flying, and it's a whole scene. And the camera zooms out as the party collapses in laughter. Elise will lean over to Sylvia and say, I still think it was a bad idea to bring that horse along. Then Violet sort of just winks at the camera, and then it just irises out. <laughs> and then the Jeffs play a song. This plane is not my home I am just a passing through My friends are all laid up Somewhere beyond the moon My mama beckons me From Pharaoh's open door And I can't feel at home In this plane
Special thanks to SDN for the track, The Ballad of Elias. As always, I'd like to thank Overclocked Remix for our music, including Tears and Rain, an arrangement of Seattle from Deus Ex Invisible War, Dream Eater Mix, an arrangement of Lavender Town's theme from Pokemon, Ah Kid Pella, an arrangement of Setting Sail Coming Home from Bastion, and Thunderstruck, an arrangement of Windmill Hut from The Legend of Zelda. Executive producers for the month of March 2017 are Kirsten Haslinger, Extellaris, Joseph Timbrello, Andrew Grothen, Jade, The Cult of Gorfanax, Irving Royale, Finch de Jong, Arjun de Koning, Allison Ansel, Tarka, Luke Powers, Michael Goodell, Brent, Just a Jester, John Potts, Kevin Dobbins, Save Arden Akramosa, Carl, Brady Warner, 
Kitty Foe, James Neely, Eugene T, Marissa Donaldson, Melanie Joe, Lana Seawolf, Toby Gleason Stack, Ruby Offer, Matthew Weber, Sarah Hanley, Melissa Booker, Cameron Abbas, Dylan, Gary Sayon, Anna Stulfar, Sean, the host of Funk Dunk, Giorgio Renna, Harrison Andrew, Kevin Zeidlow, Christopher Charlo, Jorit, Vigor Arnston, Cody Jackson, August Rue, Athos, Ingmar Gremen, and Paul Mullen. If you want to join this list, you can support the show at patreon.com slash austinyorski, or find Leon at patreon.com slash renegadecut. You can also help the show by finding us on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, and YouTube, and subscribing, liking, and commenting there. I'd just like to take a moment to thank everybody for your overwhelming support over this season. We literally could not do it without you, as we've suffered two computer failures over the course of just this single season. As we move into season three, with the new cast members, new player characters, and a whole new setting, I hope you'll join us there and continue to make this wild, stupid, hilarious, sad, beautiful show possible. I just wanted to play, but everybody drowns instead. Oh, I'm never gonna have any friends. It seems you have a gift for murder, little one. How would you like to put your gift to use in my service? Will there be friends? I will be your friend. Oh, yay. You can call me Gaunadar. Hi, I'm Theodora. Go forth, little one, and spread my designs. <laughs>